On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Satisfied me, Hello, Carlos. How are you there, Half? Nice to see you, mate. Yes, I, it's good to see you too. Nice to see nice people. <laughs> hey, I love your T-shirt. I was just taken by your T-shirt. It says, yes. learn the difference between karate and kung fu. <laughs> yep. What's the difference? I wouldn't have a clue. It's just a really good-looking T-shirt <laughs> that I bought. Uh, I'm not sure where I bought this one. I think I was in the UK. It's a good tea. Yeah, you know, a guy at uh, my stage of, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm in the veteran stage, I suppose, oh, for many no, people. I don't look like a veteran, no, but I... look like a rookie. To me. Yeah, yeah in veteran stage of radio, you've got to start... You know, dressing uh, with the fashion, and uh, so when you're walking into SEN, people are thinking, "Hey, he's not a producer; <laughs> he's a he's a on air star." You no. are an on air star. No, I'm not. But you just don't know the difference between karate <laughs> and kung fu. That's right. You know what's going to happen now? We're going to get inundated with people who know the difference yeah. and tell us off. But the that's why we love our that's SEN why listeners. Why we love them? Can we just throw in Tai Chi in there too? And Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, that's right. All those different types of martial arts. Uh, there might be some, uh, speaking of martial arts, some MMA news. Significant MMA news for uh, their fans uh, being announced today by the government. We might try and track that down. Um, ASAP, we'll see what we can do with that. Some big news going around in regards to MMA and the future of that, in Victoria particularly. But that's not why we're here, Carlos. You and I have got other things to talk about today. Absolutely, and uh, I've got to... Uh, divulge to our listeners out there that uh, the Diego's and myself when we go to the football especially the A-League we like to sit amongst the people yes uh, we've got media pass and that's a, we hardly go into the we media area we're not working media only anyway. half time just for the food uh, not even, yeah sometimes we, <laughs> if we're close enough we'll get in there but uh, no we like to have our little pie and chips and, and all the rest of it out in the outer with the people right and uh, all together all four together or uh, you spread amongst the stadium it depends on you know whether you know sometimes it's 20 because the families come along oh, too and so it's a big thing so it depends on where we get the seats but uh, right uh, and that's all because we like to, you know, just listen to what people are talking about. Finger what on com- the pulse. Yeah, what they're complaining about. And if they want to have a chat about things, we can just see what's on people's minds. But this last weekend, yes, uh, we did venture into the corporate areas for both Melbourne oh, City and also... here we go. Man of the people's changed. Absolutely. Changed. Uh, Melbourne City uh, on the Friday night, Warren and I attended... Uh, a bit of a corporate function for Vic Sport, uh, with thanks to Mark McKelly in there, the CEO of Vic Sport, and we just sort of uh, hovered around some of their suppliers and started talking about uh, the game with them. But on the Sunday, with thanks to Ian Robson, uh, the <laughs> CEO of uh, of uh, Melbourne uh, Victory, and all his, all his team there, uh, we were invited to the uh, the business lunch there, and it was a really a different view, which I don't get a lot of, uh, just sitting with people who are in the business side and how they can be really weathered to a team and really excited about how the team's going. Uh, but they're, they're they're sort of hobnobbing with the more the uh, the white collars out there rather than the blue collars. So right, so you're uh, working with all the collars in the weekend. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it was a bit of a different uh, a different experience for us, but you know. A couple of things that came out of my experiences on the Friday and also, also on the Sunday with a, with a sort of conversations that uh, we sort of almost threw at people at different times. And we knew we heard last week, especially late last week, uh, that Melbourne City have now unveiled their new multi-million dollar state-of-the-art, world-class 
uh, Academy. Have uh, you seen it, by the way? I've seen a video of it. I, haven't, I didn't get a chance to get to the press conference last Friday, but I've seen a video which looks absolutely fantastic. I'd, I'd like to go and have a look. Yeah, this thing is world class. It's uh, pr- probably across all sports, probably the best facility in Australia. And what excites me, I'm, I'm happy for Melbourne City because they need to establish themselves. And yep. I think this is a real statement by Ma- uh, Manchester City and the City Group that they're here to stay, which is great because you always worry about That's the, good point. You know, the big people coming with a lot of money and then not being happy after two or three years and just walking out. And that's, yeah. it's, a, it's a collapse of that club. But that proves that they're here to stay, which is fantastic for Melbourne City. But I, what I was more excited about was the prospect of Melbourne Victory's response to it. How are they going oh, to respond so, to this? So you were in there with the big white, the white collars of Melbourne Victory and all Absolutely. their faithful yep. on Sunday. Yep. And you threw that to them. I threw it to the Did you? To Anthony DePetro. I taken his yes, it's the, the, the chairman of Melbourne Victory. I said, hey, you know, this is a great, you know, the duck rolls are fantastic and the, <laughs> and the antipasta is fantastic and I'm really enjoying the ravioli, right? Yeah, I, you know, I'm nice. waiting for the dinner dance to happen so we can get that going. But you, you in between threw? times, it's yeah. always worked. The mind's always ticking. Yeah, right. Anthony, what are you going to do about what, What's your response going to be to Melbourne City's new facility? And, uh, you know, jokingly, you know, he sort of came back and said, well, we'll pass the hat around and we'll see what ah, we can do about getting some money together. But these be. people are proud people. These people are people who reckon they own Melbourne, Melbourne mm, Victory. That's true. That's they true. will not be sitting quietly watching this. And I cannot wait to see their response. And I really hope... Did you get a sense of what their response might be outside of the passing the hat? Did you get a sense that there was a little bit of oh, bloody hell behind these bikes now? Oh, uh, look, I, I, I didn't get a sense of that, but I just know from the fact that you know they've, they're a proud club. They're a club with some real substance. So a lot of the business people in that room are real heavy hitters that wouldn't associate themselves with a club that's uh, that's that's softer or not have really great ambitions. These people are, are, are achievers, and they've done a lot in the ten years of the A League. And, uh, and I'm, I'm expecting something really big. But what I hope they will do, as much as I really love what City's done, uh, but it really was an outside, external, international body, the City Group that's come in and done that yep. and really driven that, which is great because at this stage of the, of the evolution of Australian football, uh, we, we need that. But I'm really hoping that Victory, as the biggest club in Australia, will now respond and build something that they build themselves. They fund it. They find the investment. They go and get the intellectual property. They go all around the world to find out what is the best model for this and build it yourself. Don't rely... Just make this an Australian product. And those people who think, you know, Carlos, you're crazy... Uh, you know, how can we say we're going to build a world-class facility when, uh, and we're going to do it ourselves? Well, the AIS back in the 80s was a, a world-leading facility yep. where we had people from all over the world coming and replicating the AIS in the 80s. There's no reason why we cannot be a leader in this area in the world. And, uh, and I think Melbourne Victory are well-placed to do it, and there's a challenge for them. I love the, the bite we get initially from uh, the Victory fans off the SMS. What about this one? How's City's state-of-the-art trophy room looking? Must be expensive dust. Well, they're halfway through their first season, so they're not going to win too many trophies just at their stage. Yeah, well, but l- l- let, me, let me respond this way. We can be arrogant. Melbourne Victory can be arrogant. Yep. Right? And just say, no, we don't need to respond to this. They're, they're small time. They're not, they've got averaging 6,000 people to do their games. They're not going to win anything for a while. You can do that, or you can recognise that if you don't get onto this pretty quickly, all the young talent in Australia who were wooed, and they might be wooed by four or five different clubs. They've got to make a decision about where they're going to go. Victory potentially uh, have a network, not only to Manchester and England, but also to New York 
and I think they've got a, a, some sort of interest with uh, Yokohama in the J-League. Plus, over the next 10 years, you'd think that the City Group will establish links all around the world. So if you're a young player who's got to make a decision between Melbourne City or Melbourne Victory, and as much as Victory's won things, and they're a big club, and they average, you know, 20,000 plus to their games, and everyone's really interested. In, so they've, they, at this point of their development, they're the biggest club in Victoria and in Australia. Yep. But if you're a young guy making a decision about your future, and you're looking at possibilities, and you're looking at facilities where you go to work every day, being world-class, plus the coaching will be world-class also, uh, what decision are you going to make? And I think if Victory dare become arrogant about this, they might lose, lose out on the next big star in Australia. So how, reason. but in, in quite, quite seriously, Carlos, how can they compete with the sort of level of, of revenue and expenditure by the city group? Because it's, a, it's a private owners who are very, very successful businessmen in their own right, but I'm not sure they've got the billions that our good friends at the city group have, have put together to, put, to get um, involved in, in this conglomerate of, of clubs around the world. How can they possibly compete on that level with, with this? We've seen time and time again in the AFL in particular, uh, the partnerships that are put together to put multi-million dollar facilities up and running. We see the Indigenous uh, Academy there at Richmond Football Ground, the football club. Yeah. We've seen the Western Bulldogs with their 20 million plus facility there at the Witten Oval. But what did cities thing cost them? At 15 mil, I think. I think it was 15 million. And it was all put in by the city group, I believe. I don't oh. know if there was a, a do- I don't think it was a contribution by Latrobe or Melbourne City Football Club. I could be wrong there. And please correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe it was fully funded by the city group. So in Australia, there's plenty of examples of, uh, of you know, government and corporates and clubs coming together, uh, finding the money and investing, you know, multi-million dollar facilities. Um, and that's more and more of a model in Australia than we uh, than than it might be, you know. Even though the Manchester City facility over in Manchester has been a, I believe, a, a partnership between local government and also Manchester City, but uh, but uh, certainly in Victoria and Australia, the the models tend to be partnerships. Uh, I would like to hear from the Victory supporters as to where where they think the club needs to go to next as the next step. Nine forty nine, eleven sixteen after the break, and just as we get to that. Bit of a response to that uh, expensive dust SMS that came in. Uh, this is from Anonymous. Uh, City won their first trophy the other day, winning the National Youth League. So we are producing <laughs> the best young players in Australia as well. Victory are stuffed. That's what they're saying off the SMS. So yeah. w- well, congratulations to the Youth League too. Not across that one as as I should be. Colours. Going into the last round of that Youth League uh, uh, torn, uh, uh, competition, uh, I think Melbourne City was on top by goal difference. And at the end of the 90 minutes, they drew two all and had to wait for a result between Glory and, and Brisbane in the end. And Brisbane fell short by one goal. To so okay. there was there were three teams that could have won could on have that won the title. Yeah, in that in those last couple of minutes. So uh, well, they've got a, they've yeah. got a, t- a trophy. <laughs> Trophy's a trophy though. It's in the cabinet yeah. and yeah. it's not very dusty. Uh, I'll take your calls, victory fans in particular. I'd like to know where you see the club going from here in the back of the. Investment by the City Group into Melbourne City and their brand new facility out there. What's the next phase for your club? 23 past one on a Wednesday afternoon. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us from 4diegos.com. The boys are back together tonight from 11 every Wednesday from 11 p.m. until midnight on Melbourne's home of sport, 1116 SEN. I'm sure there's plenty of hot topics being thrown (laughs) around the 4diegos office this afternoon. Carlos, in readiness for the event tonight. Uh, yeah, there <laughs> plenty of hot topics sure out there. there. We'll see how these ones go today. We are talking about uh, the Melbourne City Academy and what that means for Melbourne Victory. Now, clearly, they have been the uh, dominant 
partner in town for, well, because they've been involved for 10 years. Melbourne City slash Hart have been around for a couple of years and haven't really captured our imagination. But with an investment in the game and in the people in the game, like they've made with their academy, who knows what that leads to for them in the future and what sort of support they'll get outside of the traditional avenues, Carlos. Johnny Mooney Ponds wants to get involved in the discussion. G'day, John. Hi, guys. How are we? Going well. Uh, fantastic. Fantastic topic, Carlos. Fantastic question. Great question. I'm, I'm a Victory uh, member. and Look, it's, it's, it's uh, definitely changes the summer set, uh, or everyone said, when uh, City came in and bought the club out. But uh, it's going to change the total. Uh, it's all going to change. And as, as you can see, it's starting to change. But, you know, as a... As a as a victory member, I'm proud that, it's in a, that we've got an Australian club, uh, truly Australian club, and I think it, it, I'm along the, the lines of, of your thinking, Carlos, regards, you know, we can. I think we can maybe use that to our advantage with the government. Um, you know, maybe I'll almost play the, um, the smaller brother when it comes to the finances. Um, and I think Melbourne City, uh, what they got to be careful of is that they don't become too... European snobby, if you can use that word, or too rich for their own good. Because um, I find that Australian public, I don't know, I'm not sure if we want to that too much, but look, it's, it's fantastic what is uh, probably going to happen in the next few years. So would you uh, like to see Melbourne Victory, John, uh, invest in these type of uh, academy-type situations and, and oh, setups where they've, they're they going to invest long-term in the community and hopefully develop some world-class players as well in this elite facility? Definitely. I mean, look at look at the last concert, um, CTI. I mean, they've done so much work with them. In, um, you know, the the present lunches are you know thousand to fifteen hundred people. A lot of uh, big weeks in, in those um, in those uh, lunches. So definitely. Um, but you know, I think as long as you're successful, um, people will be stuck. People will be coming. Players will be coming to your club. I'm sure all these little bells and whistles uh, help along the way to attract. But as long as you're all, Beating trace, uh, winning trophies, and uh, you know, right. you will attract those youngsters, um, and eventually um, the rest will follow on. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's almost unlevel playing field, but you know, global game, it is what it is, and you know, we're one uh, big world out there. Absolutely, thank you for your call, John. Um, he's not overly concerned, Carlos. Yeah. About that, from a victory point of view. Yeah, look, he's right. If if you keep on winning championships, you've got an exciting team, uh, but. But you've got to win championships. You've got to win that. championships, and uh, and City will eventually win those championships because they'll get their squad right. And I think uh, what we're seeing now with City is probably a remnant of the first couple of years where players are still got one year left of their contract or two years, and so they just can't move them on. And salary cap and and yep. the restrictions around squad size and who you can get, I think that has really hampered John Van Skip at this point. Uh, but you'll find at the end of this year, I think there might be a bit of a clean out at Melbourne City. I'm, I'm only guessing. I haven't heard anything. Uh, but you'd think there'd be a bit of a clean-out and some really good quality young players, either from the Manchester City Academy or some maybe from New York or, you know, if some from their links and their networks around the place, you think you get some really good quality coming in. Mm. That you can still fit under the salary cap um, because I'd be here as development players or whatever they might be. And, uh, and I think it won't be long. In the next three or four years, maybe five years, City will win a championship and they'll win a grand final and they'll go into Asia and they'll do all that because that's the sort of money and the sort of um, networks that the City Group have, it almost demands that. How long do you reckon it'll be, Carlos? And probably this is an extension of the conversation, I think, with uh, with Melbourne City's involvement or the City Group's involvement with the A-League. How long do you think it'll be before you 
you can't you can have two international marquees, two domestic marquees to really ramp up the the, the pizzazz. Obviously, that's going to cost some money, but you'll get quality players in from across the globe, making a much better competition. All of a sudden, this investment in the game you would, would imagine would be recouped pretty quickly. Absolutely, I and mean, when we just heard, uh, uh, and it was pretty, from what I hear, reading between the lines, it was probably a bit of a lame bid. But there was Adelaide United that came out and they said that they recently bid for Stephen Gerrard when he announced that he was moving on for Liverpool. That they rang up Liverpool, they they uh, or that he or Stephen Gerrard's people, and they made a bid and. The conversation didn't go very far because the bid was. Do you know what the bid was? Uh, look, you know, from what I from what I understand, anywhere between two and four mil. Uh, but he's going to LA Galaxy. Obviously, they're playing paying twice the amount of whatever Adelaide were doing. But what that Adelaide may not be able to afford it. Central Coast or your Newcastle may not be able to afford it. But Melbourne City in the future, if there was a second marquee spot, especially international marquee, which is not un, it's not something that's unheard of. Uh, the US in the MLS have got you know a couple of marquee spots uh, available to pay anything you want to any player around the world to come. Yeah. And you'd think that that'll that in the next five years again there'll be a second marquee spot, and City will be able to bring anyone they want. Uh, be, do you think that'd be good for the competition? Uh, it won't be good for the competition. Uh, Unless everyone can fill it. Unless everyone can do it. And I think the MLS, the difference is most clubs can actually uh, afford that. And yeah. I think it's quite centralised the way the MLS do it. Uh, I think Ed White probably know more about this than me, but I think it's the way that decisions are made more centrally about where players might go. But I think clubs are given a bit more autonomy these days to go and chase their own players too. So uh, it, it might not be fair, but I think... Uh, Really, the, the, the clubs that aren't that strong right now are probably Central Coast, and they might not ever get any stronger than what they are now. They've won things, and they're still in a bit of trouble. Uh, Newcastle Jets are probably more mismanaged. Uh, they've got the marketplace there. Their, their ownership uh, uh, sort of uh, structure would, should be different to the one owner. I think they've got such a big, big market in the northern New South Wales area yeah. that could really capture that. That could be a really well-funded uh, well, well Fl- uh, you know, uh, affluent club if it was run well. So uh, at the moment, probably Central Coast would be the only ones that uh, that I don't believe could, uh, you know, really uh, profit from that sort of uh, second marquee. So in the, in the short term, Carlos, and this is a broader exp- discussion now, in the short term, what are the most important things for the A-League to, to do, for the FFA to, to do with the A-League? Is it, is it expand the competition to a level or is it to change some of the rules as we we're talking about there so that we can make uh, we get better players into the competition? I think uh, if they're going to go for you know a free-to-air deal with uh, the likes of Channel 7 or Channel 9 if they're, or Channel 10, if you're, if you're actually going to those, uh, those TV outlets mm. and trying to sell a product, they want to see a Steven Gerrard playing in your league. They want to see a Del Piero playing in your league. They want to see a David Villa playing in your league. And they want to see every club having a player like that. So, you know, the, the rewards are getting three times the amount of TV money you're getting now by going there and selling the rights. Yep. And then hopefully, the, 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 for me, the, 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 the thing around that is that they've got to do it properly. Don't disrespect the product. And we've gone through this before. We have. Don't dare disrespect the product. Don't. As Channel 7 did many years ago. But if they do go there and they respect the product and they do a really good job with it, uh, it you know, why not, you know, uh, take a, what, you know, a, a calculated financial risk and, and get your Gerrards for every, you know, A-League club? Um, so if you, as, you, as your game's growing bigger and there's more exposure through free-to-air, suddenly you know, clubs are more, I don't know, more plucky about getting out there and, uh, mm. and uh, maybe investing a bit more and taking a bit of a risk because 
Stephen Gerrard definitely would fill stadiums if, if he was playing here. Yes, he's just about 15 million short of what he needed. That's true, but uh, with the right TV, right, right spunny, the money's there. Right. Uh, in fact, my little birdie told me, Carlos, that uh, you might even know a bit more about expansion. Well, I'm going to pry that out of you after <laughs> the break. 28 to 2, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us on halftime every Wednesday, 1 to 2. That's his slot. And of course, the Four Diego's tonight. From 11, the boys are back together. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. Don't forget the four Diegos, all four of the crew, the crazy men that they are, back from 11 p.m. tonight, every Wednesday on the four Diegos on SEN. So uh, that is good listening on a Wednesday evening slash night. Carlos, um, I think you know a bit more about the possibility of expansion in the A-League than you perhaps are letting us in on. Spill the beans, mate. Spill the beans. <laughs> well, yeah. As, what as, do you as know? I, I opened the show talking about uh, the, uh, the the corporate lunch I had at uh, Victory on the weekend and uh, just talking to some really interesting people. People have done a fair bit in, in business and in government and also in football and uh, had, had a really great chat with one. And I can't divulge who it is. And right. I can't even you know, tell you too much about the, the story because it was all off the record. But, uh, oh, but the, the topic of uh, A-League expansion 2017 came up. And uh, and this person, with a you know consortium of other people, uh, really really keen on uh, pursuing the license for Melbourne if they if they believe for Melbourne yeah well uh, they they seem to believe that there's going to be a license for Melbourne. Uh, and uh, well, is this 2017? 2017, yeah. So they're looking at A League expansion at the moment. There's talk about uh, South Sydney. Yep. Uh, that area there, I don't know Sydney all that well, but they think that that's another heartland. It, you know, every place, yeah, everyone's, a, every, everyone's yeah, a heartland. Yeah, in Sydney, everything's a heartland, isn't it? Heartland, but, uh, central. And Sydney. I can't see a second team in Perth or Adelaide, or you know, maybe they might look at Brisbane again. But I think Gold Coast, that's a scorch market these days, so they would never go anywhere near that again. Um, mm. You know, Northern New South Wales, I think Newcastle, they've got to let them do the work there. Whether uh, Central Coast survive, I'm not sure. But the, the logical team in New Zealand. Uh, I think there's more talk about maybe looking at Wellington Phoenix future, than, right. uh, and it's not big talk, but I think that that would be the more more the talk there rather than the second team in New Zealand. They're beautiful. They're great success. They're equal second on the table. Absolutely, the but not long ago they were a pub team, and um, they're, they're the former pub team playing really good football at the moment. But um, they're talking about Sydney and Melbourne, perhaps having the two new franchises for two new clubs. And yep. uh, let's forget about Sydney for a minute. Let's talk about Melbourne. And uh, I was very surprised, and I can't, again, can't divulge what the what the person suggested, but I was very surprised about where they're thinking of locating this uh, this third licence. Now, the, the questions I'd like to ask our listeners out there, firstly, with Melbourne City still struggling around the six and seven, you know, you know, maybe 8,000 people to their games. Yep. And the fact that they are way behind victory as far as, you know, uh, real, real, um, you know, being being part of the fabric of, of Melbourne as far as uh, the supporters and the, and the uh, popularity of the club is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we need a third club in Melbourne, number one? Uh, number two, uh, where would you put a, put that club if uh, if you were bringing one in? And thirdly, what point of difference would that club have from City and Victory? I mean, would it would it attract fans with a point of difference? I mean, we've already got the overseas model where City Group own Melbourne City. We've got 
you know, Melbourne Victory being that standing low club with, you know, dabbling with partnerships with Liverpool or, or whatever it may be. I mean, wh- where would this point of difference for this third club be? And do we need a third club, given that Melbourne City still need more time to, to build their members and their crowds? Gee, I'd be surprised if there was room for another one just at this stage, Carl. So in a couple of years' time in, in Melbourne, the lines will be open. 9.14, if you want to have your say on it. Some SMS uh, traffic coming through early before we get to them, Carlos. Uh, Tassie's getting a mention. I don't know the market. I know the Victory play a couple of pre-season games down there. Do they play yeah. a regular season game? Yeah, actually, Victory do a lot of work down there. So I think that they'd be looking at... I mean, no one owns it, that market, but they do a lot of... Uh, they play a lot of games, and I think they've got a really good... I think the the... Uh, there's a victory league. I'm not sure whether it's a senior Tassie league or the or it's a it's a youth league. But they they actually have the naming rights to a league down there, and they get down there and uh, and do a fair bit of work. So uh, again, anyone can own that, but I'm not sure whether. Oh, you know, I suppose the crowd of ten to fifteen thousand, you can get have a viable A league club. They've got a good facility down there. Whenever that victory play down there, and you can see play at Aurora Stadium. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good facility. So uh, yeah, I suppose, but. Um, yeah, no one's talking about Tassie at the moment, and people have gone off Canberra because of the different uh, incarnations of clubs over the years. Canberra Cosmos and there's yep. a few other different Canberras have just failed because they just people just weren't coming and supporting it, even though they probably can get ten to fifteen thousand people to games in Canberra if they wanted to. So I'm sticking by Sydney and Melbourne because that's they're the logical choices, and I'm only interested in with this discussion uh, around Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah, right. Richard Dinson Albans, he's got a nomination for us. G'day, Richard. G'day, Harf and Carlos. How are you, fellas? Good, good Yeah, good. Listen, it's a no-brainer. The Geelong region. I mean, the Geelong has got a fantastic and large soccer community. I mean, you could link in Ballarat as well. And I don't understand why Melbourne City haven't moved up there. I mean, like, like you were saying there before, earlier in the show there, Carlos, 6,000 to their home games, that's hopeless. I mean, Amy Stadium looks very barren. I mean, they need 10,000 plus, and I'm sure with all the developments that are going on, continuing at it, uh, oh, I forget now, what, what do they call it these days? Shell Stadium or whatever? Simmons Stadium. You know, it's, it's perfect facilities down at Geelong. And it looks really good too when Victory play down there and they and they actually you know put the hoardings around and make it more of a uh, rectangular look about it. It looks fantastic and the stadium looks good, especially when you've got around 20,000 people in there. It's a really good football stadium. Well, it seems to make a bit of sense to me, the Geelong area. I think that would be excellent. I think the, the west game. of Melbourne, I mean, you talk about a heartland. I mean, the west of Melbourne. Not another heartland. Yeah, I know, but this is a, <laughs> I, I'm from that area and I know the, the popularity, especially as you, as you go out a bit further. Um, there's a real growth area. Point Cook got something like 600 kids at their at their in their junior football club there and uh, and I mean uh, along the surf coast apparently there's a there's a, a big big football clubs around there too Torquay and that just it's the, the the football's exploded around there well I know I've played as Torquay United in uh, FIFA uh, <laughs> in the lower divisions of the English uh, football leagues yeah. I have played as Torquay United many times okay well I reckon our Torquay I took them to the Premier League better. one year yeah I reckon if our Torquay played their Torquay in the UK we'd probably beat them <laughs> hey Richard two bottles of wine one red one white thanks to AR Property Investments coming your way we solved the property investment puzzle for you stand the line we'll get your details Clinton in Camberwell g'day Clinton yeah, g'day guys. Look, I think it's way too early to talk about a third uh, a licence coming in from a Melbourne team, but the only way to ever work, I'm a Melbourne Victory supporter, the only way to ever uh, take on Melbourne Victory if it was uh, a Victorian team. I think it should be based in Geelong, previous to the previous quarter, yep. and mainly be Geelong focused, but I wouldn't call it Geelong because you want the Bendigo people, you want the Ballarat people, you want all the other country regions getting on board, and a lot of them are living and working here in Melbourne. 
um, that would follow a Victorian team. But if it's just going to be Geelong, they'll stick with the victory, and I don't think they'll switch. So I reckon they really, if they're going to think about it, think about it being, I don't know how you do with Melbourne Victory having a big V for the victory, but uh, it's got to represent Victoria, and then that will really be the challenger to Melbourne Victory. I know, Clinton, when they, uh, when the, they were fielding the... Um, applications for the A-League in year one, you know, a couple of years beforehand, and we're working out which teams uh, were, were coming in. There was a team that was, the, the working title of the team was Melbourne United. I know there's a basketball team called Melbourne United, but but the actual proposal had Melbourne United on it, and that was a team that was going to be based out of Geelong. And uh, they had they want to have partnerships with Geelong Football Club, and uh, that was one that uh, lost out to Melbourne Victory th- at the time. And a lot of people actually were questioning that because they had a lot of uh, big ideas and a big investment involved. But Melbourne Victory won out there, and that one died. So, uh, but there certainly have been a lot of people thinking about that. And, and Clinton, you say that it's way too early. I'm telling you, the conversation I had with this guy uh, was one that's probably they've been thinking about it for a couple of years, and uh, they're they're quite way down the track in their planning. So. Uh, 2017 is just around the corner. If yeah. you're going to start putting in licenses for these things and proposals and bids, you've got to start way beforehand. Clinton, thanks for your call. You've got the double pass to Friday Overdrive 2015 Formula One Rolex Australian Grand Prix. Tickets from 30 bucks. Come down after work on Friday. See the action from 3 p.m. with an Overdrive general admission ticket. You will love it. Uh, John's in North Baldwin. G'day, John. G'day, fellas. Uh, look, uh, has anyone suggested South Melbourne maybe being... Given a chance, no one is yet. Well, no, we're getting yeah, we're getting off the SMS. There's a lot of South Melbourne fans out there, but you know, I love the old NSL. People who listen to this uh, this segment week in week out, listen to Diego's, they know that we come from that era, and we just love it. Uh, We celebrate it all the time. uh, But I cannot see the FFA allowing uh, a South Melbourne or a South Melbourne football club or Hellas or whatever you want to call it. I don't think they would allow that. Uh, club under that name into the A League, uh, but they uh, they may consider under a different name. You know, uh, they're just very very sensitive about uh, going back to those old days of the NSL. Thank you, John. More calls after the break. They're streaming in, Carlos. You've hit a nerve here. This could be your hot topic for tonight too. <laughs> Carlos Alberto Diego with us until two o'clock. You can catch the boys, the four Diegos tonight from eleven on Melbourne's home of sport, eleven sixteen SEN. But we're talking expansion at the moment in Melbourne. Third license possible by twenty seventeen, says Carlos. That's what he said. Possible, probably. No, no sure. I think there'll Not be it, it most. Probably be. It'll be based on, um, you know, the statistics and the growth areas yep. and, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and I don't think they're going to worry too much about. Firstly, I don't think they're going to worry too much about City having the having more time to grow. I don't think they're going to listen to the club so much. They're just going to put teams in there. And I'm just thinking of the TV rights down the track, the number of games yep. you have to have, and the number of uh, you know just the more noise about well, the, the league with the AL, with yep. the AFL, didn't we? With Gold Coast and GWS, yep. effectively, it's another game of footy that they can sell to a. TV rights holder that not going to make any money for a bit of time, but uh, hopefully down the the end, yep. all the clubs make their uh, their cash back. Rob's in Strathmore. G'day, Rob. G'day, boys. Um, a regional side sounds good to me, another Victorian team. But with Melbourne City, Carlos, we'll never be as big as Victory. But we've had, we're, in the five years, we've never had any success. We've never, ever competed for a title. I believe that when the club gets ruthless and makes very difficult decisions at the end of this year, maybe even changing the coach, and we become a top team, then I, I think 10,000 people will go to every home game. 
I agree, why, Rob. Why yeah, can't I, you be big, as big as Victory? I just think Victory are cemented because they've been in there so long and they've won titles. I just don't think City will ever be as big as them. Yeah, but Rob, I, I reckon there's still a lot of people who love their football, especially with local clubs who don't attend the A-League. They don't follow yeah. the Victory or the City. Uh, and I think they would follow City if they were more, if they were less disappointing at times. I mean, not only do they not win things, but sometimes they let you down uh, with the way they go about it. And I think with the new, in the, in the coming years, when they really get a really strong squad, there's depth everywhere, uh, that's, that's really well coached, I think they'll start winning things. And, uh, and I think these people who aren't going to the game right now, um, any, any of the A-League games, not really showing an interest in, it, in both teams, I think they will start following City, if not Victory, because Victory's doing well too. So I think there's a lot of people out there who love their footy, but they just aren't going to games at the moment. Yeah, there's plenty of growth, I reckon, in yeah. the game still. Thank you, Rob. James in Armadale. Good afternoon. G'day, lads. How's it going? Good. Good, mate. This is a great topic. I've got to say it comes up in my uh, group of friends about once every three days. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, at least you, you should be across it then. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I've got to say, there's... Uh, a previous caller stole my thunder a little bit, but it's the Sleeping Giant. It's the club that's got about 3,500 members. It's got thousands of juniors and, uh, and women's teams and so forth, and it's based in the heart of Melbourne, South Melbourne Football Club. That's your answer, boys. Not under South Melbourne, though, James. There's no way they'll let him in, let them in. I know they do fantastic work down there, and I know that they uh, they've, they're one of the biggest clubs over the decades. Oceania Team of the Century, all those sort of things. We know some of the players that they've uh, developed, and it's just wonderful what they've done over the years for the game. But I cannot see. Uh, the FFA allowing that club in under South Melbourne, under that title. They'll have to call themselves something else if that's the case. Would that sit well with the South Melbourne fraternity, James, if they had to come in under another name? Look, uh, you're potentially right. The FFA may not allow South Melbourne to come in under that name, but it's the logical, it's the logical solution. You look at the way that club is run today with minimal resources. They never had the support of a stable administration they never had the marketing dollars that the A-League clubs enjoy today. Imagine what South Melbourne could do with a very a, a wide-reaching but dormant fan base. I don't think changing the name is the answer. I think, honestly, the FFA has to bite the bullet. They have to recognise the class of the organisation and they have to realise the potential. I think South Melbourne could be getting fifteen to 20,000 after they establish themselves in a couple of years in the A-League. I think that if South Melbourne came into the A-League in, in, let's say they came in next season, they would be doubling Melbourne City's crowds. And I think that's the way to go in Melbourne. Good on you, James. Good arguments. Uh, good backup data there from you. Stand the line too. But Toki Ham's available for you from Woolworths and Coles. You just pick them up from here. You don't have to go there. We'll give them to you when you just come here. But thank you for that, uh, Carlos. A lot of love for South Melbourne off the SMS. You're suggesting the name change would be required. Yeah. Do you think they'd be comfortable with that? Um, I'm not sure. They might lose their identity. I'm not sure. They might feel that, uh, that you know, part of the deal has to be that name. But I cannot, knowing that the talk uh, officially and unofficially at the FFA, yep. there's no way they would go back to anyone, any team called what they were in the NSL.